The world is ever changing and sometimes we just need a helping hand. Hey, it's one more about the Rama. New apps here, new tech there, it's all very exciting. But it's nice to have something you can count on. Like insurance from State Farm. ¿Tienes preguntas sobre tu seguro? Con State Farm puedes llamar a tu agente o conectar con ellos. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You ever heard the phrase, the more things change, the more things stay the same? And while we love the excitement of new things, it's also nice to have the reliability of something constant. Hey, it's Wilmer Valderrama. And when it comes to insurance, State Farm is a good neighbor you can count on. Solo llama a tu agente. Another way State Farm helps is by supporting the creators and storytellers of the Michael Tuda Podcast Network family. Con la ayuda de State Farm, estamos ayudando y asegurándonos de que nuestras voces sean escuchadas. Como un buen vecino, State Farm está ahí. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. Hi guys and welcome to another edition of the Custard TV podcast. I'm here once again, it's me, Matt, joined by uh, two old favourites, let's call them. First of all, Gary is here. In the southern area, although I can't say London anymore because I'm no. not in London. And no. less of the old you, do you mind, eh? Well, like class, how about classic? And I heard a couple of weeks ago, all this guest starring and with, uh, mm-hmm. I would like to be, uh, I would like to be returning. It won't work, but, you know, <laughs> good, good afternoon to well, you and the podcasting. How have, how have you been, Gary? It's been a been a minute. It's It's been a minute. It, 2022 has not been the greatest year in the world uh, ever. I'll have to admit that. Uh, but I'm all right this afternoon. And someone is dropping around an Easter egg for me later. Oh, I That's won an nice. Easter egg in a raffle at church, and someone's dropping it round. Isn't that nice? It's a it's a Cadbury's cream egg one. Oh, lovely! It's the little things. And also joining us um, is Sarah. How are you, Sarah? For the purposes of the recording, I'm fine, thank you, Matt. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> no, let's let's delve into that a little bit more. Um, <laughs> really, I... <laughs> I'm tired. I'm annoyed. I've got. DIY house problems. I've got half a kitchen, a beautiful half a kitchen, but not a kitchen that works. My life is a mess, basically. Let's talk about telly. This could be a podcast. Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one. This is the Custard TV podcast. Yes, that would entertain me briefly. From thecustardtv.com. The shows today we will be talking about are Deadline, a new Channel 5 drama that's uh, stripped across four nights. We've had a lot of those recently. Uh, we've got Slow Horses, which is a new thriller star, uh, starring Gary Oldman. That's on Apple TV+. Plus. We've got Hacks, which is a comedy drama, which is all on Amazon Prime. And we've basically got Gordon Ramsay does The Apprentice. is Gordon Ramsay's Future Food Stars, which is on BBC One. But just uh, before we start, I want to just have a quick chat about the recommissioning of four BBC One dramas. They are The Tourist, The Responder, Time and Vigil. Now, Gary, did you watch any of these? Because obviously we don't sort of chat about TV. Which ones did you watch? I have seen Time, which was Mm. the one with Sean Bean. Yeah, Yeah. really liked it. I've literally just finished watching Vigil in the last mm-hmm. couple of weeks because uh, it's one of those ones I stored up. I can see why people got frustrated with it. I can see why some people didn't like it. Hi, Luke. Uh, <laughs> and um, I liked it, though, but then that's because I was able to binge all episodes. And I mm. think that might have been the secret to watching it. Watching it weekly, I think you might have got a little bit lost in it. But watching it, you know, I watched it, I think, over three nights. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Haven't seen the other two yet. In terms of the other ones, I know you watched The Tourist, didn't you? Did you finish The Responder? No, I've kept The Responder for best or when I'm emotionally resilient enough for it. Mm. I don't know. Either way, I don't feel like you guys are qualified to comment on that. I think that has to be between me and my therapist. (laughs) No one should leave TV shows for best, should they? I mean, that's just... No, no, I mean... Sarah, I've got such a long list, though, at the moment. Every week, it's like four new shows. Uh, mm. at, le- at least one a week is like, I could go back to that or I really want to go back to that. And did you watch Time? Again, Luke made me watch the first episode. <laughs> oh, did you? Were you went, on the podcast oh, that week? This is this is very important and necessary and interesting mm. and 
Stephen Graham's the king of TV and, and Sheen Bean is here as well. It's all marvellous. And yeah, that went on the list as a worthy watch. Never got back to it. Okay. Well, together we've I really, watched... really liked The Tourist, though. And that literally went places I was not expecting. I suppose my question is then, as we've sort of watched three of the four to the end between us, mm. what are your thoughts on them coming back for second series? Now, I also didn't get to the end of Visual. Was there enough in there to warrant a second series, guys, do you think? Not really, no. <laughs> they kind of ended it rather well. I mean, like like most things, and, you know, because it was by the producers of Line of Duty, they will eke a storyline out of the characters rather than going in with a storyline that the characters can go into, if you know what I mean. Mm. Makes They'll... zero sense for it to be called Vigil, then, because Vigil was very much the location, and well, that wasn't the submarine getting unless, decommissioned. Like, unless they end up going broke. back or something, I suppose. Calling it Vigil it, is it like seems calling implausible. Prison break, prison break after they got out of the prison. Well, Taggart after Taggart died. Yeah, you got it. Don't understand how they can do the tourist again with any Mm, sort of. That was going to be my next. With any sort of like authenticity. It's mm. just like their story, we know who he is now, it's Mm. done. Is he going to go back and fight more crime from his terrible mafia past? And are we going to be interested in in mm. the same story, but with less revelation? That's still the question. How much do we trust of his own memories? I suppose that's the thing with the tourist. I agree with you. I don't think it should have come back as a second series. My sort of pitch was just have a Helen Chambers series because she was amazing. Definitely. Like, 100% behind that. Like they did the second series of The Missing, where it was just Baptiste, but a different set of characters. So with time... He's moving it to a women's prison, so it's going to be new characters. Me and Luke were wondering if they would bring Siobhan Finneran's character back, the chaplain, because she seems like a good fit to sort of... Yeah, she could be the one that moves prisons and takes Mm. the storyline. That's a shame. I would have liked to have seen how Stephen Graham got on in prison, not as a guard. Again, I would go to another of the writer's prior shows, or two actually, because he did accused in the street i suppose they were weakly different characters weren't they but i agree with you about stephen graham i don't know how much you could have could you know because spoiler alert he was released from prison at the end of the series (laughs) i i think it's going to be interesting and i think it's good to sort of shine a sort of jimmy mcgovern light on a women's prison and the last one i suppose we can't really talk about is the responder because we don't really know how that ended if that um sort of warrants the second series but I think it was surprising because we've renewed all these dramas in one go. It does seem like these decisions are being made really quick and I find that mm. quite unusual as well. Broadchurch they announced that as oh, soon at, at the end well, of the just... first episode uh, first series ending they said Broadchurch will return. Yeah and I remember Luke crying at that point. Uh, Back in the days when we went live after the show had finished. Do you remember that? With, with celebrity guest stars as well. Yeah, with people who'd been in it. Not just us three. Wow. There's got to be some things where you must have held your tongue because, my goodness. Well, that's it. That's why we don't do it anymore, because Luke doesn't hold his tongue. So we don't get anyone on the show anymore. He's burned literally all of his celebrity bridges. Absolutely. The press release was very, this did so well on the iPlayer. Vigil obviously got the ratings in, didn't it? It was one of those things which people watch weekly and were invested in. You know, they might be excellent. I I mean, like the tourist, as as Sarah said, it was really good, but as a one-off. And I wonder if Jamie Dornan will will not be in it and it will be another actor alongside... Well, my female friends will be extremely disappointed because Mm. one of my friends this week went... Well, I don't care what happens in the next series as long as there's plenty of Jamie Dornan. <laughs> they can always go back and watch The Fall if they, you know. I don't know if you remember, because Gary, I think you were on the podcast when we discussed it, The Capture. Oh, gosh, no, I don't remember that. No. <laughs> the one with the CCTV and the the disgraced soldier. A crime was captured on CCTV. Callum Turner, Holiday Granger. The woman that saw the CCTV footage was my mad fat diary woman. Yes. That's yeah, yeah. Sharon that. Rooney was in it. I do right. remember that now. Yeah, they're bringing that back, but without the lead actor, without Callum Turner, they're bringing in a, a new lead actor. I believe no. it's Papa Residue from I May Destroy You. But I think it's a bigger thing about like the BBC trying to bring back all these sort of IPs and, oh, I enjoyed this first time. I'm going to sit down mm. and watch this again. Yeah. So obviously those four dramas will be back. Certainly The Tourist and Visual 
aren't cheap to film really are they i think you know time might be and the responder if it's just all on the streets of liverpool at night again but certainly the tourist and visitor were big budget productions mm. in no, the same. tourist you know. that it was just the inside of a submarine a lot of the time there wasn't much outside action so mm. i don't know if the guys but... from vigil are listening hi sorry slash not sorry. Please make your submarine corridors smaller for the maritime experts in the world, aka my dad. Your dad. I remember that. I was going to bring that up. Well, I'm banging on about it every ten minutes through the whole series, which is probably another reason why I didn't enjoy it quite so much as I might have. <laughs> I think <laughs> really angry about the submarine spaces. Really angry. Considering how much they went on about the fact how small it is in a submarine, to hear that it should have been smaller is kind of like, whoa, I got that wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's even more claustrophobic than what was presented on screen, if you can believe that. And please don't think about that for long because it's horrible. So if the uh, second series of visual, if they'd like to hire Sarah's dad to be their maritime expert. Just... Between doing sort of DIY on my house and generally pootling around as a retired gentleman, he's got plenty of time. OK, so DM at Sarah Hamster. Oh, if you... <laughs> it would be amazing because his surname is Prentice. So it'd be a nice carryover from the, the bad guy of season one. Oh, yeah. Talking telly on the Custard TV podcast. Doesn't that sound exciting to you? Let's do it! Ready? Here we go. So let's get to the reviews. And first up, Slow Horses, which is on Apple TV+. Plus. First two episodes are there now. And Gary will be giving us a brief overview of the plot. So this is based on a book by Mark Heron. Oh, um, Mick. Mick Heron. Mick Heron. Sorry, I've, I put Mick Heron in my notes. And I said, <laughs> it's, I, I have to get somebody wrong in the podcast. Do you want to do, do another run-up on that, Gary? <laughs> yeah, let's, let's give that another go. Based on a book by Mick Heron, I don't know if you knew it was Mick, you know, instead of any other name. A character called River Cartwright, who messes up a training exercise at the beginning of the episode in Stansted Airport. He actually causes the fictional death of a lot of people, even though it was a training exercise full of actors, by first of all getting the wrong bomber and then not getting to the second bomber in time and disobeying orders. He's put out to pasture at a property known as Slough House, which is where the dregs of MI5 are sent to, uh, to to rot away. A very similar to kind of like the beginning of The Wire in the sense of where you feel like, you know, these are just people put together because they're no good. And it's run by Jackson Lamb, played brilliantly by Gary Oldman, an actor I love. It is um, based on books, but it's also co-created by Will Smith. No, not that one. Uh, this is the one who wrote for <laughs> Veep and The Thick of It. And when you actually watch the show, you get a feeling of a little bit of comedy. Now, what happens is a young comic writer is abducted. He refuses to actually go on stage as a comedian. He gets his mate to do the uh, the comedy. But he's writing the material, which is edgy. It's inflammatory. It's, it's all based on religion and, and Muslims and things like that. And he gets abducted by four masked men in a van during the episode and is about to be executed. And this is where this team sort of come together. One of them is a technical expert who gets bribed to do certain things. And he finds the footage of the young boy about to be executed. You know, we don't actually see the execution yet. And right at the end of the episode, we see the main man, River Cartwright, heading out into the street. He's already broken a few rules, opened up a, a box with a laptop in it. He's already in trouble. His dad played again brilliantly by Jonathan Price. Has already I think it's his him. granddad, I think. Gary. I thought it was his dad, but I could be No, wrong. it's his granddad, yeah. Fair enough. His granddad, played by Jonathan Price, tells him to stay out of it. Jonathan Price is a f- something former in MI5. We don't really know why yet. You have these kind of ragtag bags of a uh, band of misfits, you know, people that are more interested in pub quizzes than uh, than spying, and some who have been left to rot there, like uh, the character that Gary Oldman plays. Sarah, what did you think of it? Before I come back and say what I thought of it, I'd like to know what you guys thought of it. Brilliant! Absolute standout show of the week. I really enjoyed it. I didn't know barely anything at all about it going in, and I am desperate to watch the rest of it. Like you said, the performances were stellar. I found it proper scary at the beginning when you've no idea this is a training <clears throat> exercise. Yeah. That is scary. For about 10, 20 minutes, you genuinely believe that there was been a bombing and mass death on the train at Stansted Airport. And it's really awful. And you can see why this guy has been demoted to spin groveling. It's that sort of weird sense of relief that it was a training exercise. But also, hang on a minute, they're taking this very seriously. His career is done. Like He has to serve his time in this purgatory and hopefully one day go back to the sort of shiny... Um, glass offices at Regent's Park. 
brilliant. Loved it. I especially loved the fact that we were plonked down in the middle of what was just a normal day for them. I, I was struggling to know what the hell was going on, but I was enjoying every minute of it. Um, and I really liked River. Still can't believe his name is River. Really liked River's sort of antagonism, sort of brother-sister relationship with Sid. I thought that was really nice and I really want to see more of what happens to them. I really enjoyed the naughty right-wing uh, journalist. Probably very naughty. I think <laughs> naughty probably doesn't quite cover it. Yeah. Inciting hatred and racism and, and whatever else he's doing and funding a right-wing terror group. That's what they suspected him of. Yeah. Um, and I wrote him down in my notes as an evil Jarvis Cocker. <laughs> Yes, he was quite tall and wiry, I suppose. Wasn't he? And he had, he had such a great voice as well. So, you know, River is slumming it in the bins, whereas Sid is out doing proper espionage, tipping the drink over on the guy's laptop so that she could grab the memory stick. Mm. Oh, but it turns out she's been double-crossed. It's really good. I really enjoyed it. And the way it looks as well was so brilliantly British and grimy and gloomy mm. and rainy. Someone's got an obsession with scaring people outside the, the bus stop, outside the office. And like you say, they're all weird misfits. They're yeah. all serving time for their crimes against MI5 or they've pissed off the wrong people or something. It's terrific. Really enjoyed it. Cannot wait to see the rest of it. I don't think I'm as positive on it as, as Sarah, but I still enjoy, you know, it was a enjoyable hour of TV, I would say. I would have liked more from the, the bigger names. Gary Oldman was used sparingly, and you haven't mentioned yet, Kristen Scott Thomas is also in this. Yes, I as, as the head of MI5, the sort of the boss. And I love Kristen Scott Thomas. She's one of my favourite actresses, and I, I, I get the impression there is more of her and scenes between her and Gary Oldman, which I'd really like to see. So that's some sort of impetus for me to keep watching. I wasn't a massive fan of River Cartwright. I don't know if he's the best person for us to follow and, you know, because he's the character we have to sympathise with at the end of the day, isn't he? He's our window into this world. I know we follow other characters and, as you say, like, I'd be interested to know why Sid has been plonked into this, you know, because she seems to be the one that they trust to do the actual spying if they need someone to do any spying. River is very moany and like I don't deserve to be here I'm a proper spy you know there's that scene where he goes back to MI5 and he says I'm MI5 I'm the same as you and they, he's very indignant they give him a visitor's pass and he yeah. has to wait for an escort and he blames the Freddy Fox character for giving him the wrong description because as you said Gary he gets the wrong guy initially and yeah. he blames Freddy Fox's character for that because he it was something like blue shirt white t-shirt but it was the other way around I mean, I was really involved with that opening scene. I thought that was tremendous, the whole training exercise. I'm glad it didn't then flash back to six months earlier, because a lot of the time... Yeah. Yeah. And and like you as well, and I hadn't thought of it like that, like The Wire, because they're very much like, you know, for example, like you had Presbaluski, didn't you, in The Wire, who had, you know, shot someone and but was still kept on the force because he's got relatives in the the organisation, similar to River, but... I thought Gary Oldman, when he was on screen, was absolutely fantastic. There was certainly a bit of scenery chewing in those mm, scenes. Definitely. <laughs> you know, he was able to to deliver those acerbic barbs fantastically. Again, Gary, as you said, you can tell there's elements of the thick of it here. Bit of a, a wrong week to have, like, Will Smith being mentioned. <laughs> Not that Will Smith, as you said. And there are Malcolm Tuckery elements, I would say, to Jackson Lamb. You know, obviously he's a character that's adapted from a set of books uh, but you know I think in terms of the lines that he's given you know you could see them supplanted into sort of Peter Capaldi's mouth in that but life is full of surprises some good some not so much hola it's honey hola it's carolina y sabes que estar preparado para cualquier cosa es importante whether that's in our roles as mothers wives business women or podcasters on our show life in spanglish you know that being open to unexpected turns has been an important part of our success pero we can use some help oh yes la buena ayuda is welcome y si pasa algo tranquilitos isn't it good knowing that with a state farm agent you can worry less because someone will be personally invested in safeguarding your goals plus they have the options to talk to a real person whenever a customer needs especially when those unexpected turns come up it's the personalized attention you can count on aprende más en es.statefarm.com como un buen vecino state farm está allí 
We started our company, Girls Who Do Interiors, before we even graduated design school. And we turned to Chase for Business to build along with us. They had everything from banking to payment acceptance to credit cards all in one place. And with the Chase mobile app, our business is wherever we are. It's made for business owners who build to inspire. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Real customers compensated. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank and a member of FDIC. Just uh, a moment on that yep. because I've got some knowledge for you. Okay. Um, one of knowledge. my friends who is actually a Slow Horses super fan, he and his wife adored this series of books and he was so excited to see it on TV. He says that Mick Heron says that Lamb was always sort of in his mind based on Warren Clark in G.L. and Pascoe. And I think you can really oh, see that. Right. Hmm. Okay. Quietly competent, getting on with the job, but absolutely lays into his uh, subordinates when they need it just so quick-witted and mm. nasty but you can't help but like him i'm quite interested as well by the character played by um Saskia reeves is the is yes. actress she's going to like an aa meeting she has like a flashback of i think it's her husband's suicide yeah because you wonder why she's there well, as well. You, you assume it's a suicide or a murder because you don't actually mm. see mm. anything other than yeah. blood. But yes, mm, you're right, that's the implication. Mm. Feels like all of those sort of rejects in the office have got sort of a an origin story as to why mm. they're there. And if we get let in on, on those over time, it's going to make it even more interesting, sort of multi-layered. And that's what really appealed to me was this ensemble cast that, yes, mm. you've got Gary Oldman, you've got Jonathan Price. You've got Christian Scott Thomas, but actually each of these people have something which I like the idea of. Because it's been described as sort of blackly comic, but I didn't think there was as much humour as I would have expected, perhaps. I was just thinking, Sarah, when we talked about Reacher and that had a lot more levity to it, perhaps, whereas this felt a little bit more serious. Certainly yeah, I think so. And certainly the topics that they're discussing, you know, the sort of social themes I didn't find this one a grind at all. I, I, no, I, no, I really agree. Just no, wanted to see the next episode straight and, away. And don't forget that one of the main characters was a comedian. I mean, I know that, mm. as you say, this is not belly laughs. This is dark humour. And, and there was enough of that in there, you know, with Lamb's jabs. And as you said, Sarah, the relationship or burgeoning relationship between Sid and River that had that kind of brother-sister type relationship of arguing with each other, but quite spiritedly. I really liked it. I think you guys have covered pretty much everything I would have said. The only thing that I added to it was I did like the fact that we were able to bring in realistic drama and tension at the beginning mm. which then you were able to lay down a little bit during the episode and then came up again right at the end when you mm. had the kidnapping i like mm. that kind of rise and fall in an episode because you know we've been talking a lot about other series where it's been you know this kind of thing where it's all action all go or all nothing and this was able to move through that pretty well mm. yeah. it gives you the breathing space to yeah. get excited then to have a little think, a look around, enjoy being with the characters and then time to get excited again. It's telling a story as well as keeping you excited. And some of these dramas that we have mentioned earlier, perhaps today, <laughs> might have just been trading on, on adrenaline because there wasn't anything under the mm. surface. Matt, will if this be added to your ongoing massive list of things I, to watch? <laughs> I was going to say it's probably near the bottom. For me, it's sort of a decent thriller you know, with some comic elements, with some excellent performances. I don't think I was quite as taken with it as you two were. Uh, you know, I'll go back to it if I have got the time, but there's some stuff at the top of the list. And then things like, for example, uh, Winning Time that we talked about last week would sort of be on the same level as, as Slow Horses. But definitely uh, check it out. It's on Apple TV. First two episodes are there now. And then it's weekly uh, for the next four weeks, six episodes in total, which... Apple TV tend to do with their programs. I'm not quite sure why it's an odd, seems like an odd release schedule, really. But there you go. Next up is a is a program that debuted in America last year. We've just got it now all on Amazon Prime. Uh, this is Hacks. It stars uh, Gene Smart, who myself and Sarah will remember from Mayor of Easttown last year. And Gary will probably remember from 24. And Watchmen. And Watchmen, yeah. Here she plays Deborah Vance, a once popular sitcom star who now splits her days between regular gigs at a Las Vegas casino and selling items on QVC. 
When uh, Deborah is faced with having her dates at the casino cut, her agent suggests she hires Ava, a young comedy writer. Ava <coughs> is going through a professional struggle at the moment after an ill-advised tweet saw her lose her job and sort of be blackballed um, amongst the comedy writing industry. Ava begrudgingly goes to meet Deborah um, at a home in Vegas. They have this interview that goes horrendously, but Ava starts sort of insulting Deborah, which earns her some respect. Deborah then hires Ava in a, in a sort of strange way by stalking her in her car until she stops. And the rest of the series then is about the two women sort of learning to work together despite sort of very noticeable differences. Now, I've heard a lot of praise about this. I know Jean Smart has won a lot of awards for her performance in this. Gary, I am really interested to know what you made of this, first of all. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> I, I tell you what, I liked this. It had a very much of a feel of the Kaminsky Method, which um, was a show from a couple of years ago with Michael Douglas, only because it kind of dealt with this old Hollywood, new Hollywood ideal where he was an old actor, very famous, but now down on his luck and was running a drama school for up and coming new actors. And it kind of had that feeling, you know, that mix of like that classic kind of Hollywood actress and comedian, sorry, and this new edgy writer. The main scene that I loved was the, the sort of pivotal scene in the episode where they started attacking each other verbally. They get to the point where they agree that they don't want to work with each other and they just start attacking each other verbally. And it was brilliant. It then led to the second best scene where Deborah drives her car to stop Ava from getting out of the place and sort of cuts her up in her Mercedes right at the gate and they agree to work together. I found it quite funny. I found it intriguing enough that I will watch the next couple of episodes. I will, I will add it on Amazon Prime. It's a HBO Max show mm. and you can kind of see that. It has got that little bit of edge. It does talk about riskier material, as you say, the tweet, which didn't end up being that bad, but I suppose in the light of maybe last year might have been, but now probably that, isn't that risky, I don't know. And I did like how it was Deborah telling her, actually, it wasn't that funny. It wasn't that offensive. It just yes. wasn't funny. And that is why she tracks her down to tell yes. her what she would have done with the joke, which I liked. The reason they agreed to work together is because they brainstorm a better tweet. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I quite liked it. And as you say, Jean Smart, recognisable, but not overly famous, but a, ver a very good character. So I do remember in 24, and she was very good in Watchmen. And I have seen Mary of Easton at East Town. How dare you? Oh, I didn't, I didn't know you, How see. How dare I, yeah. No, you wouldn't have known that. No. And actually, the actress playing Ava, Hannah Einbinder, this is her first acting role. She yeah. previously had done some stand-up, uh, some writing, I believe. Her mum was actually um, one of the first, I think, the first female cast members on SNL. And her dad's a comedy writer. So she's sort of been around this world. But, you know, this is her first performance. And I do feel like she holds her own with with Jean Smart. Oh. It was all right. And I've I've kind of accidentally watched three episodes, I think, because I was expecting it to get better. Mm -hmm. And I think this is probably going to have me kicked off the podcast full time, properly fired <laughs> forever now. <laughs> On paper, though, it's absolutely my bag. Stand up comedy, two strong women, intergenerational divide, mother daughter sort of vibe. There's a sort of secret sadness to Jean Smart. You know, what happened to her husband? the fire, you know, there's all kinds of silliness, but there's a depth and there's a humanity and there's a sadness to it. And it, it should be exactly what I'm about. It's not. And I can't quite tell you why. And that is very frustrating mm. for me. It's fine. It's better than fine. That would be unkind to say it was fine, but it doesn't grab me. And yet I think out of duty to Luke and to the Custard TV, I left it on and I've watched three episodes now and it does sort of loosen up a bit. I think perhaps because the setup is so important in episode one and I didn't find there was a great deal of time for humour apart from the, the standout pieces that Gary's already mentioned. As the sort of characters loosen up and get to know each other and maybe respect each other, then it gets a little bit funnier. And as more people turn up who are going to be sort of in the entourage for the show as well, Deborah, the Blackjack croupier, is brilliant. She's really funny in the second episode. And then in the third episode, it's basically kind of a road trip. And so... You know, it, it's getting there. I quite liked the um, agent, Jimmy, the manager. 
Um, and his assistant, I've forgotten what her name is, but I've seen her in loads of stuff. And she's really funny, the, the person who's always listening in on the phone call. The one who's just doing the job out of nepotism. It sounds to me like you really wanted to like it. I really did. But couldn't find anything. And I, I, again, that's, a, that's an interesting thing. I, mean, I, I do know about, you know, yeah, trying to please Luke. Um, <laughs> <laughs> please the un- unpleasable Luke. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, it, it never happened. Yeah, Six but years, I do, I Gary, tried to do that. Six years. <laughs> Yeah, I will probably try episodes two and three, because as you say, sometimes we've had this, Luke and Matt and I will know real well, sometimes first episodes are, as particularly American shows, because first episodes are made standalone, so sometimes first episodes are not a great way to decipher how a series is mm. going to go. Especially with comedy, you should yeah. always give comedy time to breathe. All I have to say to you is Blackadder Series 1. Then everybody understands. How dare you? That is a genius piece of writing. Series 1? Yes. That is a hot take. That is a a 30-year-old hot take. 40? (laughs) I don't think how old it is, actually, don't say. That's a 47-year-old hot take, so I don't mind. I want that on a (laughs) T-shirt. What did you think, then? I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I mean, I watched two. I mean, I just love Gene Smart. Like you said, Sarah, I think this was up my street. I, I can't tell you why you didn't like it, because I thought you would. Everybody predicted, oh, Sarah's going to love mm. this. And I, I feel bad. I've disappointed you all. I mean, it's at its best, I think, when Deborah and Ava are on screen together. I think those two actresses work so well off each other. There's that scene where... Deborah asks Ava if she's a lesbian and she goes into this long diatribe and then she says, no, I just wondered because of the way you were dressed. I did yeah. feel a bit sorry for that delivery driver in the first episode in terms of wouldn't he have had a lot more deliveries to do? The one that Ava slept with. Oh, yeah. Oh. She orders some food. She basically jumps on him. He stays the night and I'm like, wouldn't he have lost his job? Maybe that's just... The only point in the episode where I got a little bit worried where... Yeah, you jumped to that and then you saw her take a phone call on the toilet. I'm thinking, oh, don't please don't be one of those series. But nothing else like that happened. Mm. (laughs) Um, Uh, I did want to quickly mention the fact that it's interesting, just generally speaking, to learn learn more about American stand-up comedy and the sort of generations that have gone before. So the voice that Gene Smart uses in this reminded me so much of Sophie Lennon from Mrs. Maisel and Mm. therefore... Phyllis Diller and Joan Rivers, you know, mm. sort of I, like. I think it must be loosely based on Joan Rivers because mm. of the type of act she was doing as well. I think definitely there is that Joan Rivers illusion there because I believe she did like home shopping stuff as well. Oh I've yeah, got a feeling did stand up at Vegas for a mm. month. Yeah, so there is. I think that is some of the inspiration, perhaps. I did love this. I thought Jean Smart. <laughs> she did deserve all the awards that she's won. I think it's interesting as well, the sort of commentary about women in the comedy field and how much harder they have to work and how... Yeah, because sort of... everybody knows that women aren't funny. <laughs> well, you you disprove that every time you're on the podcast, Sarah. So yes, I'm putting that on my CV. <laughs> <laughs> For example, with Ava's tweet, you know, you wonder if that had been a, a man, they would have just swept that under the carpet and, you know, he wouldn't be as... In... Jimmy Carr is still out on tour. I think he was a Republican politician as well. They kept mm. it relevant. They kept it almost realistic. He was being homophobic, wasn't he? And in his legislation was, and, yeah. and his life. And then all depends what people do behind the comfort of closed doors, I suppose. But it did seem like low hanging fruit for a joke. And you're right. Would a man in that position have been in so much trouble and you know been completely ostracised from all of his colleagues and all of his potential career options it's an interesting question what what i'm hoping we get a little bit more of we get a little bit more because you saw her begging a a former friend for a role a job i I hope is that we don't just move ava to las vegas and Mm. and get ava in las vegas for eight episodes we get a little bit of back and forth we get a little bit of her old life seeping in as well as she gains a bit of what i'm assuming will be some notoriety by being the writer maybe changing uh, the character played by Jean Smart a little bit, making her a little bit less, you know, formulaic and more edgy, that we get a little bit of that former life and what she was doing before coming in. I mean, there's the elements of her, she's living at a casino, Ava is, she basically hates Las Vegas, is another sort of subplot of it. You know, you're in the middle of the desert and she does, in the second episode, Sarah will know she gets stranded and, left with Deborah's car when Deborah goes off in a helicopter 
there's just like little really good moments of it. I just really enjoyed every aspect of this. I know our American friends who are on this podcast as well have absolutely loved it. But all 10, I believe 10 episodes are there now on Amazon yeah. Prime. So definitely I'm continuing with it. Gary is he's certainly on his Prime account. Uh, and I've watched three by accident. Yeah. So, you know. <laughs> We'd love to hear from you. Drop us an email. CustardTVReviews at gmail.com Now for something completely different. <laughs> Another Channel 5 drama, which seemed to be more and more frequent every week. I do apologise in advance to every guest who has to watch a Channel 5 drama. I know Sarah... I have suffered through. I've been in intruder. the for you guys. <laughs> the absolute dearth was the holiday from a few weeks ago. But actually, Intruder, which you watched with us, um, Sarah, yeah. one of the writers here, Gareth Tunley, uh, wrote in- Intruder and... Uh, the other writer, Barunka... I'm just going to write that name down for future reference yeah. in case I ever come across it. Baruka O'Shaughnessy, who is a sort of a comedy writer first and foremost, but she also wrote the, or co-wrote The Teacher, which was the Sheridan Smith oh, drama yeah. on Channel 5. That actually wasn't that bad, The Teacher, I have to say, of all of them. I think casting Sheridan Smith certainly helps. Mm. Um, so this stars uh, James Darcy as James Alden, a once prominent investigative journalist who's now making low-rent documentaries, working alongside his caustic producer, Barbara. Uh, James soon offered the chance to make it out of the journalistic doldrums with an exclusive interview with uh, Natalie Varga, who is suspected of murdering her wealthy Hungarian husband, uh, despite having an alibi for the night of the crime. He's surprised that he's been able to get this interview, but later he finds out that the caveat is that he also has to investigate the murder for Natalie and, and find out who actually did it. But then the question sort of in this, it's a... Deck your home with blinds.com DIY or let us install Free design consultation Free samples and free shipping. Blinds.com invented a better way to buy custom high quality window treatments with no showroom mockups or waiting around for quotes from pushy salespeople, saving you time and money for the holidays with upfront pricing right on our website. Go right now to blinds.com. Satisfaction guaranteed. Satisfaction guaranteed. Shop Blinds.com's Green Monday sale. Get up to 45% off, plus doorbuster deals. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... As easy as pie? Sure. All you have to do is enter your license plate or VIN. As easy as a stroll in the park. Okay, then just answer a few questions and you'll get a real offer in seconds. As easy as singing. Why not? Schedule a pickup or drop-off and Carvana will pay you that amount right on the spot. As easy as playing guitar. Actually, I find that kind of difficult. But selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... Can be. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get an instant offer today. Like a game of one-upsmanship, really. Who's playing who? Does Natalie know more than she's letting on? And that's sort of, I, I suppose, where it will be going forward. As I said, this is uh, starting on Tuesdays and is going till Friday, like all of the Channel 5 dramas that we've uh, looked at so far. Let's go to Sarah first on this, because I'm I'm anticipating um, some interesting comments here. I will set this up, and then Gary can launch the fireworks. <laughs> um, <laughs> Question, did you get me on the podcast this week because I am a wealthy widow? Are you? <laughs> well, no. <laughs> I've got the widow part down. <laughs> I haven't murdered any Hungarians lately. We don't know whether she has either. You're, uh, you're well, a, indeed. You're... Yeah, again, it's that sort of tabloidy anti-female thing, isn't it? She is the black widow. She is the evil widow. And that's a super easy story to sell your newspapers. My initial first 10 minute 15 minute let's be honest it went the whole hour i feel like i'm watching episode two i don't remember the last time i started something so confusing i don't want heaps of exposition we don't even really get any plot until the first 15 minutes are gone who are these people what are they doing i don't know and more to the point i don't care 
that I think is a bit of a problem for your drama, especially if you want me to solidly watch this over four nights. But it did really feel like it was a total waste of my time. <laughs> I mean, she was definitely the best thing about it, without a doubt. Mm. That actress. Charlie Murphy together. is the actress. She was in Happy Valley. Um, um, Peaky Blinders. Peaky Blinders, I believe, yes. I, I, I remember quite liking her, though, in uh, Happy Valley. She was the girl that got kidnapped, I think, in the first series. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. In this, she is sinister and she is mysterious and she's not expressive. and She's got these really dark, sharky eyes. And she's not easy to sympathise with. She knows she's doing the wrong thing at this press conference, which is why she needs someone to come in and sort of deal with the problems that she's made and, and sort of make her appear more of a good character. But all right, good for you. <laughs> I, I don't need to see what happens. Really, I don't. It wasn't even Kitchen Island drama. There was something worse to it. I wonder if Gary can speak at all about where it was set, because... That was not the UK. We are not between no. Hungary and the UK. It looked like everyone was on holiday, the light, the I, architecture. Wasn't it meant to be in Budapest? Did no, he no, go no. over to Budapest? No. It's in London. You've got a London style. Oh, right. I thought he... Did you, but did I, you see I, all well, of the litter bins outside all of yeah. the buildings? There were like two or three litter bins, and there never would be, but they're putting them in because they look very British. What <laughs> I thought was that he went over to... After he got the interview... He'd gone over to Budapest because they had actually, the teacher, they filmed all of that in Budapest, even though it was set in Bradford. So I wonder if they've done the same here. They yeah. had a few hours I, remaining. Because the murder is. took place in Budapest, didn't it? Am I right in that? Or should I, it, I, I don't it, know. But I think, I think that's exactly the same as what Sarah says. Mm. I feel like I watched episode two or mm. even episode three. Mm-hmm. It took 15, 20 minutes for me to realise that this wasn't a news or a website. This was actually a documentary company called Umbrella Pictures. We got no context of anything. It's just like, oh, let's watch this. So they started off by watching a clip of the previous documentary they were doing. You think they're going to be about this. And all of a sudden they go, oh, have you read this thing in this trashy newspaper about this woman who might have killed her husband? It was terrible. This wasn't as good as a Channel 5 afternoon movie, and they are terrible. I felt like I was watching a bad CW show for America. There was ominous, absolutely misplaced music, absolutely incredibly bad lighting and showmanship of the of the production. The acting wasn't just chewing the scenery, it was cutting it up and having it for dinner. It was <laughs> terrible. I didn't finish it. I'm afraid the last five minutes were beyond my capacity. This was the <laughs> worst thing I have seen in a long, long time. Sorry, Channel 5, stop it. <laughs> yeah, so stop you, won't, it. you won't be watching next week's Channel 5 stripped across four nights drama then, which is about a which is about a paramedic who deli- who develops a gambling addiction. I'm not kidding, that is the plot of the, of the next. Are they just taking <laughs> occupations and problems out if, of the hat now? Yeah, what is it next week? A chiropractor saving fish from drowning? What's going on here? <laughs> Do fish drown, Gary? Don't know. <laughs> I can't find a redeemable quality in, uh-huh. in what I watched. I really can't. It made me angry, as you can tell. It really did. They're trying to make it that she is the interesting part, and I kind of see where they're going with that. But again, it, and, and the mysterious, you know, woman who's with her, who's my legal representative, and mm. who takes the footage from the camera and oh we don't sign a contract it's just not realistic they she's like something out of a low hello she is with that yeah. <laughs> i will say this only once one thing you haven't brought up is how sparse this felt i don't know if it was filmed during covid but there was no point where the characters were close to each other there was very few extras it was like just the characters you know, it just felt all empty and like, and I just assumed it was filmed in Budapest because the, of the hungry connection. Yeah, and the, the, the well, it was wrong, Budapest, but they never said that. They mm. couldn't make a decision. They were like, "Well, it's set somewhere." Isn't that <laughs> enough, guys? <laughs> because the yeah, that was wrong. The lighting was wrong. It looked like everyone was on holiday. There was no city setting. I think they chopped in one picture of London. That was it. There was nothing else, and it was just felt so out of place. And so annoyingly off kilter that even if it had been a good show, I still would have been wondering what was going on and where it was Mm. set. And that would have taken me out of it. 
And this is not a good show. Yeah. What they were trying for is this, as I said, this sort of cat and mouse game between the journalist, the accused woman, like almost like a film noir type thing. I think that's what the writers had in their heads. I was thinking they were going more for almost like the interplay and basic instinct, like the... Because there's the line early on where she's, they were saying, oh, she was flirting with the pr- the police when they arrested her. And some of the di- the dialogue in this as well, I know you have it. It's, it's like when the uh, the producer asks James early on who who shot this and he said, oh, Mick shot this. What well, Mick, who did the butter commercial and got fired when the butter melted. <laughs> yeah, that was one of the lines in it early on. As you said, Sarah, I like Charlie Murphy. I think she's miscast in this because she often plays like, certainly when I've seen her, the sort of the likeable, almost like damsel in distress, you know, certainly in in Happy Valley. But here she's having to play almost like the femme fatale. Did she murder her husband? She's saying she didn't. James is very sceptical and thinks she did do it. But again, the main thing is we're all saying is, we don't care if she did it or not. He may That's... wonder about whether she's done it or not, but he's still going to bonk her, 100%. <laughs> well, he think, he's pretty sure she's done it. That's the only thing. Again, he said that about six times. She did it. We don't care what you think. You're making a documentary. And I know we've slagged it all off already, but I have to say the, the performance given by Indra Ove, I think is the actress who played Barbara, the producer, she was just awful. It looked like someone had woken her up from a yeah, long no, sleep. To... When they said, sorry, you can't come in, I was like, great, I didn't want her to come in. <laughs> so if you'd like to watch uh, Deadline, then... <laughs> yeah, honestly, what's wrong with you? You deserve better. Moving on quite swiftly, our final show is Gordon Ramsay's Future Food Stars, which is very hard title to start with. Sarah, you're going to just uh, quickly uh, go through the premise of this. Well, like you said at the opener of the show, there's not much more to say. Honestly, I think the producer's homework was due in and they had to hurry and do the next Gordon Ramsay game show thing because this has very little thought gone into it. And they've just hodgepodged a bunch of popular shows on TV and squashed them together. It's a hybrid. It's a it's a sort of Frankenstein. So over eight weeks, Gordon Ramsay is assessing 12 contestants who have all got their own food and drink businesses where they're sort of like wanky lemonade or <laughs> muscle restaurant. I don't know. Plantain based. Super middle class. Yeah. Yeah. Hip, oh, hipster was the word I went for. Hipster yeah, exactly. places. Yeah. His prize for his winner, his apprentice, if you will, is 150k. And I assume some sort of direction from him in business. But for some reason, instead of just wanting to be Alan Sugar, he also wants to be Bear Grylls. Because he launches himself from a helicopter into the sea in Cornwall, hops out of the drink and waves to these people going, hello. And because he has got so much money... And they are so desperate to impress him instead of like just laughing, which is the correct response or turning their back on this weird middle aged man having a crisis. They all go, woo, Gordon, hooray. I'm so delighted to meet you. So exciting. Sycophantic nonsense is what it is. So these hipsters have descended on Newquay. And I imagine every episode they're traveling around the country or something, you know, hurrah. <laughs> the weirdo roadshow is in town. And the the instead of making them jump off cliffs, which he does, um, because he wants to, I don't know, assess their commitment or make sure that they can do everything on his godlike command. Or or kill them off slowly. Or kill them off, indeed. Um, It went from Bear Grylls to SAS Who Dares Wins there for a bit. It did, didn't it? That's right. Finally, we get down to the actual competitive part of it. They have to work in teams, like The Apprentice, and open little food stands um, and run those for a day on the beach. And they have to choose their ingredients. They've got a budget. And it's just a, essentially a normal TV task. And it's always so weird to me that these people are in competition because they individually want that prize for their business, but they're forced to work together. And of course, there are tensions. There's angry swearing for no particular reason. People get really cross with each other. And not um, important for once. Gordon, actually, I don't think calls no, anyone an idiot sandwich. No, he no. did swear. He did swear once because I wrote oh, it down. He says uh, this has to be the best fucking toasty in Cornwall. <laughs> that's quite positive swearing. The thing that I found really funny, and I'm so pleased that I picked it up because it was mentioned immediately on Gogglebox when they talked about it, was the hashtag is FFS. <laughs> 
future food stars. <laughs> but also, I wonder if they thought that was a funny joke because Gordon swears a lot. Almost definitely, I would say. I it's think just, it's... it's lame, isn't it? And then the people are exactly the reason why I don't watch The Apprentice. Unpleasant people yelling at each other 20 minutes in is not why I watch TV. I don't enjoy that. Um, oh, and then Vincenzo was the bad guy because he was so excited to use monkfish in his tacos. Told everybody what a great idea it was, even though I think it was quite expensive. And then he left someone else who's got a drinks business, who's not really necessarily a really good cook, to do something quite complicated. I thought they were setting up Valentina as the villain, first of all, because she wanted Mm. to use nicer mushrooms. Because she wouldn't jump off the cliff and then she... Said I'm a vegan. I, you know, she every was... word out of her mouth was I'm a vegan, 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 vegan. Shut up. Why are these people who apply for these contests and who get through? Why are they so angry? Is mm. it because TV shows are just desperate for conflict? Yeah. So pathetic. I know. In terms I... of The Apprentice um, and the sort of because I used to like The Apprentice when it first started, and every year the contestants became stupider and stupider. And I know someone interview Nick Hewer who just said yeah they just hire dummies because people enjoy just laughing at them and as you say these are the sort of hipster people who think they're great because they've come up with these as you say niche ideas let's get them down a peg or two and just have them shout at each other all you know for but half you, an hour. Matt hmm? deep down when I finish spending all this money on a house I am a hipster I like really nice food. I like going out places that have a wine flight. I like sort of like niche little like indie places in town. Birmingham's great for that at the moment. The thing is, though, if the people were good at what they were doing, Mm. wouldn't they be doing it? Yeah. Is that unkind? I think it's like a Dragon's Den type thing, though, isn't it? It's like we've got we're in like a supermarket, but we want to take it to the next level. I think it's like that. So they are all successful. Like the one guy has got his sort of three muscle bars already in the Manchester area, but wants to take them sort of further afield, you know. So they have got some success, but they want to go further. They all want to impress Gordon. They say that a lot. Can I, yeah. can I just read you the notes that I've made? Because I think it encompasses everything I just think. The Please. show is more about Gordon than the contestants. Mm-hmm. What does jumping off a cliff have to do with food businesses? Vegan woman, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. Who are the taco boys? <laughs> 34 minutes into the show, they announced someone's going home that week. 34 minutes in. Uh, it it comes out the mouth this... of a contestant as well, doesn't it? Yeah. No, there isn't a voiceover. Exactly. He read the results off his phone like someone had texted them to him. <laughs> and why do we need a one-on-one boardroom with Gordon? They're being grilled by Sorry, Gordon. yeah, grilled. Because it's a food pun. I, I did like Gordon in MasterChef U in America. I did like him. Again, he made it a lot about him. He filleted a, sh- he filleted a salmon blindfolded. I think he's going to do the same thing in the clip mm. I watched of next week. He is a good character, but he's not the star of this show. I likened this to the show that I watched recently. I really quite like the idea of the Jamie Oliver one, but it was so bland and similar. It was all about Jamie Oliver and so little about the contestants and what they were trying to do. They just all had to go to Jamie's kitchen and work with Jamie's photographers. And it's the same premise. Go work with Gordon in Gordon's kitchens, with Gordon's recipes, with Gordon's brand of knives. And it just feels like they needed a show for Gordon Ramsay, but didn't really have one. So they borrowed lots of bits from other shows. As you said, a real hodgepodge. Mm. Yeah, they're trying to be The Apprentice. They're in The Apprentice slot. And that probably doesn't help them because then the similarities are like, whether you like The Apprentice or not, you've got to admire the fact that it's a lot slicker and the fact that it's a well thought out programme. And this thing just looks like they turned on one day, turned the cameras on and go, I know, we'll just get them to jump off a cliff. That'll be good. Mm. Imagine if someone like Gordon Ramsay with his profile, to use a food pun, it does cut through because we watch him as entertainment as well as watching him as a chef and watching him as a judge. Imagine if he'd done a Hugh Fernley Whittingstall, if he could used his influence and his cash to genuinely support an industry on its knees. We've lost 32% of all sit-down restaurants since 2019. Do you think we should be jumping out of helicopters and talking about how great we are? 
it's really distasteful. And, and as you said, the contestants looked as if they'd been starved of oxygen and food for a week and then sent into a battle <laughs> arena rather well, than actually someone. They, they should have called it the Hunger Games. <laughs> I, be, I believe there's something else called that, but I can't remember it. The Hungry Games, then. Yeah, that would have been better. Yeah. I would have liked that. <laughs> they all seemed to sort of know each other as well. Did you notice that? When they were all jumping off the cliff, they were like... Are you all right? Friends on Instagram or yeah, TikTok or something, you know. Surprisingly, though, I was like, well, I'll stick this on for 20 minutes. I actually left it on till the end. And maybe that's the best thing we can say about it. I sort of skipped through bits of it, I have to say, because I'm like, I know what's going to happen here. I was mainly looking at my phone, but it stayed on. <laughs> you both mentioned, obviously, it's in the Apprentice slot. Actually, the continuity announcer basically says, here's something to fill the Apprentice-shaped hole on, on Thursday night. So it's literally... One thing that they were pointing out as well is this is £150,000 of Gordon's own money. They, oh, they yeah. were at pains to right. remind us of that, weren't they? Yeah. You know, no one's got a greasy spoon, for example, here. That mm. would be a more interesting, you know, if it was like 12 greasy spoon and curry house owners. And, and that, is that what you're saying? Like, if it was more yeah, sort of open and less sort of very niche Mm. trendy businesses how are these people going to cook because we see uh, an excerpt of the next episode and it's very much knife skills the salmon nonsense that gary was talking about that's the other point you've already got rid of one person who claimed he could cook in the guy that was supposed to be cooking the monkfish you've got several drinks people there as you say Mm. are going to struggle you've got the vegan woman who from what i've seen of the clip of next week flat out refuses to do anything with meat and they're obviously going to make that an issue. So I really don't understand. I mean, I, I really, eight weeks of this? Oh, my goodness. I mean, the person who has to sit in front of BBC and one and watches it so it don't go off the air must be, must be paid a lot more this week. I don't think it got any sort of traction on um, Twitter. and right? I didn't see anything on um, the... The only things that I saw on Twitter, because I did, I think I was maybe half an hour behind the live broadcast... The only things that I saw were my foodie friends saying that they couldn't manage anymore and they were turning it off. And even like Gogglebox, because they watched, I don't know, Sarah, if you saw Gogglebox on mm. Friday. They, they, they didn't really... have much to say about no, it, did they? No, no. I think we've done better. Yeah. <laughs> Sarah, again, you were on the podcast when we did Gordon Ramsay's bank balance, if you remember that. The... Yes, I do. It was a year ago. <laughs> I, I gave that 10 minutes. <laughs> I, t- I told you, Gary, I've seen some things because of these guys. You might be Wait. the old guard, but I have seen some things because oh, of these guys. Oh, don't I've worry. I've also seen some things, but luckily something has erased them from my brain. Probably the week after I've watched them. Yeah, we, we basically severance Gary yeah. um, when he well, left I, the podcast. The show, he had to go uh, off on disability because he'd just yeah, seen too right. many yeah, things. I, I, I sued the show and I'm still waiting for my, uh, my, my court case to come up. Uh, this is part of public service that I'm doing. That'll be the pandemic. Uh, that'll be. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Again, I'm going to say, I'm going to couple this with the review that we did a deadline. Who is putting this on at nine o'clock at night? Deadline is a three o'clock Channel 5 bad drama. This is a BBC Two weekend or bad evening thing. This yeah, this is ready, be. steady, cook. Yeah, this should not. <laughs> In fact, be. that's better. The only but reason with massive production values is, mm. you know, Sir Gordon Bloody Ramsay to give him his own real name. <laughs> the thing is, though, like as we said, Deadline looked quite cheap. This looked like it, a lot of money was probably spent on this. Yeah. Between well, the least, the stunts, pounds on uh, mushrooms, yeah, yeah, and three hundred pounds <laughs> on whatever cheese they were using in the toast. Yeah, right, Can't yeah. believe they spent the most money on the toasties. That boggled I, my mind. I love, I love the fact as well that that despite the fact he could have helped them, he never once said to them, "Well, why don't you get more than one pan going for these cheese toasties?" Made them look really thick. A lot of it as well, Gary, reminds me of like the challenges they do on uh, MasterChef as well with the mass food challenges. The yeah, and, and again, catering. if you've ever seen any of the international MasterChefs like Canada or America or Australia, they're a bit bigger budget than our own MasterChef. Yeah. They do go and do these things where they cater. You know, in, in the MasterChef in UK, you do like the army challenge right at the end. In those other MasterChefs, and including why Gordon was in it, you go and do these crazy things more often. One week they're bound to run a service in one of his restaurants, probably the burger one he's opened recently or something, you know, and I can just see where this show is going to go. In fact, I think I probably could write it better. For a little treat, go on to Vimo and find that first episode, the first series of The Apprentice, and see how different it Mm. is. Even down to the music, the presentation of Sir Alan Sugar back then, and the contestants are serious business people. Mm. Sorry. 
Genuinely, yeah, that, I, th- I think that was the series that I watched. It m- might have been the only series. I'm not yeah. even sure I got it all the way through because I just get come out in a rash when I'm around business people. <laughs> well, I, I, I but do I, like similar shows to this, Sarah, to be fair. Not The Apprentice, but one that I haven't been able to watch this year because it's clashed with my favourite, which is Great British Menu, is Interior Design Masters with Alan Carr, which had a very similar setup to it. There was no jumping off cliffs but people would do a challenge, would be in teams. The ones who they didn't like the design of the least would then face the judge as she would eliminate one of them. But I think there, even though they were sort of interior designers, which, you know, would make you think they were similar sort of characters, they were just all really nice and you're just rooting for them. And, you know, they were very helpful to the people that they were with. They were sort of redesigning different spaces, you know, shops offices and and what have you but they all got on with each other whereas here they were just very arrogant very self-satisfied wanted to put themselves forward for everything like you mentioned Vincenzo telling everyone that it was his idea to put monkfish in the tacos it's enormously disappointing because Gordon Ramsay in like kitchen nightmares and stuff he's really good at Mm -hmm. puncturing people who do take themselves too seriously who think they're the big I am and he comes in and tells them exactly what's wrong from top to bottom where's his guidance mm, for these crazy people a lot of with kitchen nightmares he uncovers some sort of deep-seated family trauma then yeah rats and deep-seated family trauma i hope that what we're seeing in this is the the end of the great british bake-off-esque show there are now too many of them no i mean Um, i i don't think this is this is bake-off i don't think it's bake-off but i think what it is is it's taking the idea of the challenges and the, the contestants and a judge. I would say this is more Apprentice, more MasterChef. The Bake Off, the, the Pottery Throwdown, the um, sewing bee, most recently that Sandy Togsvig miniature thing that's on. That is almost unbelievable. But obviously <laughs> someone went, oh, Sandy's small. Let's give her a programme about a small thing. Those programmes, again, are, are very twee, very British. But again, yeah. everyone's quite nice on it. Yes, yeah, the, in The Apprentice, you wouldn't mm. get any bunting up. No, that's, it's about no, whether there's bunting in the show or not. I get, I, you're right, there's definitely yeah. too many of both. Yeah. But at least yeah. the bunting ones, people are kind of nice to each other. Mm. And that's what I like about British Menu as well. That it's, I mean, this year they were making all food to do with TV programmes as well, which is entirely up my street. All the chefs like help each other like if they're struggling. Whereas in this, you know, they were very self-satisfied saying i'm the cook let me cook oh even looking... though they were supposed to be helping each other they're all looking for the spot on each other's mm. backs to stick the knife in yeah they? exactly you know, it, that's it, their it... knife skills and i think <laughs> actually luke we were talking briefly on twitter about this and he described it very dated and actually i think shows where there's like the nasty element to it we've sort of gone away from that now because of the bake-off i think yeah okay. the bake-off showed us like these programs are you know people can be nice to each other and you know Bake Off you got Paul Hollywood for example but you know even he's yeah, been sort of toned down yeah he, his, his refreshments have been standard you know he's like he's like the, the uncle that you need to impress I think we're saying don't bother with this aren't we to every <laughs> to the, but the problem is there are so many other better shows that you can mm. watch if you like this W, which is a channel that doesn't get any any love really anymore, shows most of the international master chefs at the moment. And, and, and actually, and I say they're all better than this. And Gary, good good plug there because this is the week that W's gone to Freeview now as well, so everyone can Thanks watch W. I, I didn't know that, but I'm glad to. Have there you go. So Ga- Gary's given some some publicity for W there after we slagged off goals last week. I'll, I'll expect to check on the post or at least a mention on Instagram or something like that. Yeah. Well, no, they they've cast you in the next series of Ambulance. Oh, fair enough. As one as one of the patients. I, I'd rather not. <laughs> Of the four, uh, these guys were very positive about slow horses, um, and I will fly the flag for hacks. So sort of like half that. really good or awful this week. <laughs> so there were nothing sort of middle who, of the who road. Who chose these shows in case that, I need to? Uh, that would to that would be things. me. Unfortunately, very much of a slow TV week this week. Some weeks it's like, oh, what do we cut? And or we just do, as Sarah knows, we'll just do six shows. I've heard about these six show episodes. I just um, but like. This week, I, you know, I had slow horses and hacks written down and then it's like, oh, what else do we do? Mm. <laughs> uh, 
Sarah uh, is very much cheating on the custard TV at the moment. Do you want to sort of plug your your writings, your etchings? Uh, my etchings are available at whynow.co.uk. I seem to have been pigeonholed as the Bridgerton person. So I've written a thing recently about um, saucy period dramas. And then, of course, they wanted me well, back straight odd. away. <laughs> that would be why they me... pigeonholed you. Yeah. Right about Star Trek, they'll never talk about Bridgerton with you again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but here we go. Apparently, I'm the lady who knows a thing or two about period dramas now and rumpy pumpy in bonnets and corsets. So that's where I am for writing at the moment. General Witterings um, at Sarah Hamstera on Twitter. OK, Gary, anything to promote your Twitter? Or... I mean, yeah, I mean, at the Gary show, if you fancy... Uh... <laughs> Mainly about football, really, about ramb- Tottenham. The ramblings of a man, but about football, uh, wrestling and bad television at the moment. Although I do tweet when I like when I watch Baptiste and when I caught up on, on you know certain things, I will let you know what I think about them a year later. <laughs> Mostly and... just to annoy Luke, I think. Yeah, <laughs> it's always good to annoy Luke. Uh, you it's know, one of that's my favourite I... things I've been doing for over 12 years now. And there is at the moment on the Custard TV um, a review of Hacks, if you'd like to see that like written down, um, as well as hearing our thoughts on that. Yeah, I'm going to go and read that and find out why I was wrong. And, and a very <laughs> excellent article about the West Wing, which I'm slightly annoyed Luke didn't ask me to contribute to, but there you go. There's not been a great deal of updates on, on the website this week because uh, Luke decided to go on holiday, so... Any updates are from me, and you know what I'm like with uh, with writing. Uh, you no, know, Sarah, it took him a decade to work out what the website actually meant. He didn't realise about the custard and jelly telly thing. I mean, this is the person we're working for. I did. <laughs> I think I heard that. Oh, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> it yeah, it was, so da- it was Danny Dyer on EastEnders, apparently. But so at Luke Custard TV uh, for all the updates uh, on the website, which is thecustardtv.com. And the podcast itself is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, all that good stuff. Uh, rate, review and subscribe. Again, my Twitter is very sparse, but I'm at Matt's TV Bytes. We'll be back next week with the new series of uh, Derry Girls and also uh, Julia, which is Sarah Lancashire playing Julia Child. Uh, thanks for listening. And uh, Gary, are you singing for us? Are you sounding? No, no, there's us? no quiz. I'm not singing. No, there's nothing going on it. And I, I've never heard of slow horses, so I'm not singing. Wild anything. horses. Whatever. Slow horses was the program we watched. Oh, well, whatever. <laughs> Anything to do with horses? I'm not singing about. It. Oh dear. You're not giving us a sting medley. No, no sting. No Miranda Hart jokes either. <laughs> okay. Thanks for for listening to the Cost TV podcast, and goodbye. Bye. Bye. Rate and review us wherever you find us. Search The Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes and Facebook. Deck your home with Blinds.com DIY or let us install Free design consultation Free samples and free shipping. Blinds.com invented a better way to buy custom high quality window treatments with no showroom mockups or waiting around for quotes from pushy salespeople, saving you time and money for the holidays with upfront pricing right on our website. Go right now to Blinds.com. Satisfaction guaranteed. Satisfaction guaranteed. Shop Blinds.com's Green Monday sale. Get up to 45% off plus doorbuster deals. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.